welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by the It is Thursday. We're looking at a four game slate here on the docket after a pretty nice 10 gamer where we went six and two between our best bets and our play props. Got best bets in this video, play props in the other one. So make sure to subscribe to that page and continue to follow along. Also want you to head to the lines.com and use everything we have up on the site right now as you're betting on these NBA games, including that prop finder tool to make sure you're getting the best juice back on all of these books that are giving you these bets in this NBA season. Nate, let's keep the heat going here and talk about possibly what I would like to call the stinky bet of the day, but I'm, I'm here to support you. So let's talk about Lakers and Celtics. Yeah, I mean, Lakers are up to plus 12 here in this rivalry matchup at Boston, which is a scary place to play, but I, I mean, this is... What, what you have to do in sports betting is just like sometimes buck the trends, don't look at the numbers, close your eyes, hold your nose, and take a huge number here. I mean, uh, this this is what hit last night with the Blazers, plus 10 and a half at home. Um, I, I could run through how bad the Lakers have been in their last seven defensively. They have managed to cover in at least half those games because their offense has come along. And if you think about the spot, like – yeah, they were probably never going to win that game in Atlanta, uh, as as stinky as Atlanta's been, but just back-to-back spot for a veteran team. Uh, no chance there. But, like, this is kind of like a, a Rubicon moment. Um, I'm not saying the Lakers are going to win this game and then, like, turn their season around and suddenly be a championship contender, but it, it's like a, it's an embarrassment spot, to be honest. Like, if you don't bring it in this mat, in this rivalry matchup and keep it within double digits, like, you are literally an embarrassing franchise at this point um, and one of the worst teams in the NBA uh, because we, we've seen, you know, the Celtics have won five of the last six here, but the, the margin of victory on average is about five points per game. Like, they've, they've kept it respectable. I would kind of lean towards under plus this huge spread, the, the total up at 242. The Celtics had gone under in four straight home games prior to getting the Pacers with Halliburton back. Like, they're just not playing with much pace at all at home. 94.5 pace in those games. Scoring 112, uh, only getting to the line 18 times a game. Lakers limit free throws, not necessarily getting their huge assist rate that we saw earlier in the season. When these teams have met, they've played at about a 99 pace. So, I mean, that's, that's clearly like the, the two are correlated. Like if this game is not a situation where the Celtics are scoring 120 plus, like the Lakers are going to be able to cover this number. Like I, I don't see a world where they're only scoring 97 on the road, like LeBron and company will, will be able to put up some points. It's just a question of whether their defense will be as bad as it's been lately, uh, which is to say, you know, 123 defensive rating, terrible three-point defense in their last seven, coughing up a ton of assists per game. All that being said, like when they're road dogs, they're, they're, their average margin of loss is only negative eight. Uh, so, I mean, 12 points. I think you got to take it here, um, you, you know, and, and just look at their game log. Like when it is like a situation where they're playing like a blue blood or, you know, it's the Clippers, it's it's a team that like really gets their antennae up. The Lakers do tend to cover at least or, or you know, cover a, a 10 point spread. So I, I'm just going to follow that and, and and close my eyes about all these horrible defensive numbers. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a four game slate. Um, so that's a good starting point. I'm terrified. You, you really got to, it, it's the defensive turnaround that you're, you're getting ahead of almost right. That you're like banking on here is that this team will suddenly bring it on defense. I, I think AD is still questionable. I don't think he plays personally because of this 11 and a half point spread. 
I, I just can't tell if it's like the Lakers tax uh, where it's like almost a little bit lower because AD's not playing, but it's still, sh- and maybe that should make it 12 and a half, 13. But in reality, like you get the Lakers tax, which is always, you got to pay a couple points if you want to bet on the Lakers because everybody wants to bet on the Lakers. But this, this would be a big moment. I, I'm, I'm on, on team fade this team. And if there's a team that can win by 12 at home, Right. It's it's this one. I, I get the, the, the necessity for this win. So we can go ahead and bank on on LeBron being LeBron in this one. I thought that might have been the case in Atlanta, and that didn't really account for much either. Right. And like you said, back to back, different scenario could have even been gearing up for this one already on the East Coast. So hopefully they bring it in this one, man. And uh, and then that can justify how much SportsCenter still talks about the Lakers. Let's go to that Indy and Knicks game here. Uh, and I'm going with an under. I hit full transparency. I hit this last night at 242 and a half under and it's down to 238 and a half i'm not saying i move markets i'm just saying i was a part of the trend of probably smart betters that came in on the under on that one um and and that that reasoning for me you know as i was actually talking to a few guys last night about this is simply like halliburton minutes restriction pacers not the same pacers that we thought there's the other biggest reasoning is bruce brown not being on the team so it's at 238 and a half now that's four points less than i already hit it and i'm still putting it out there as, as a good bet um, because 238 and a half in this game for me is too high. I think this this pace is around 97, which is speeding the Knicks up 98. Like I do think it stays because of the fact that overall, when Halliburton's not on the floor, his on off pace numbers are bananas. It's 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 been that way since the start of the season. It's about 103, 104 pace when he's on the floor in in games that he's in versus the, when he's not on the floor. And when he's not in, they're playing at three points possession slower as well. Everything with him off the floor is three points per 100 possession slower. The other thing is when he was off the floor, it wasn't quite as stark when Bruce Brown was there. When Bruce Brown was there, he his on-off pace numbers were the exact same almost, well, basically the exact same as Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, where it's like 103 pace when he's on the floor, 100 when he's off of it. Um, and then they did stagger those guys minutes a bunch. So the second unit's not nearly as fast or, or effective anymore. That's got their pace down to 100 or so since Pascal Siakam showed up. Halliburton is an interesting story because he's on a back to, he, not a back to back, but he's still on a minutes restriction because they brought him back early from his injury. They wouldn't have brought him back early if he didn't want to qualify for awards and for, uh, I think all-star too, right? You still have to have that a certain amount of games or whatever. So like, or not all-star, but the, uh, the all, all teams, right? Like all NBA teams, if you all want to NBA, make those, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, exactly. Then you've got to go ahead and have the 68 games played, which is kind of wild. Cause Joel's not going to win MVP this year. Um, but that's why he's in there, right? That's why they're like, we'll get you in there for 19 to 22 ish minutes. And then you're coming out because we're down to have that be the case. And he put up what 15 and 10 in like, uh, in the 19 minutes that he played before they pulled him. Uh, in the third quarter where they're actually making a comeback against that Celtics team. So they're clearly committed to not playing Halliburton, even if they're in a game against a a conference foe like this Knicks team, who they are chasing, um, but he's still on that minutes restriction according to all the reports coming out of Indiana. So with that in mind, the, the quick things about the matchup, New York does limit transition points since they got OG. Uh, they're they're back up to tenth. They were actually a bit worse than that in terms of defending transition points, and that's points per possession in the transition for them. Teams do try to speed them up because they're such a good half court defense. Um, but yeah, that's not what they're going to be giving up too much anymore. Um, and like I said, playing in the slowest pace on the season since they got OG are the Knicks. Uh, the the like ninety one pace, dude. It's uh, with in the last two specifically without him. Um, the games without him too, averaging two fourteen. We don't. I, he might play. He's had props up the last three games and then not played. So it's it's all possible. Um, but with the way that like the the Pacers actually limit a few good things too, they limit jump shots. The Knicks are not getting to the rim without Julius Randle and without their lob threats in their like uh, like Mitch Rob. So not as much going into the paint, which is where in, Indiana is vulnerable. They're actually good at limiting assists. 
which the Knicks don't do, but they're good at limiting jump shooters is sort of the, the takeaway from that. So with all that in mind, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the under here. Yeah, Pacers are good at limiting point guards, and Jalen Brunson is the offense right now. I mean, yeah, if you don't have OG out there, like, I, I mean, good luck. This is just complete Tibbs ball right now, right? It's just like throwing together a defensive scheme and like and, and keeping it around 200, 210 in terms of the game total, and we can grind out a win. All, at the same time, if OG plays, like, I love the under even more because he's a yeah. fantastic defender, and you throw him on Siakam, and if Halliburton's not a full-time player, you know, Book it. Um, yeah, I mean, real, real quick, uh, Taj Gibson as well is a New York Nick, and we might get some Taj Gibson minutes. That equals under as well. Taj sighting. Yeah, yeah I mean, we can go into the um, the uh, 65 game requirement at a later date. Hopefully, I mean, we are glad Halliburton's out there. Good for our bags on those futures bets because we would like him to get some awards. Uh, but let's look at this Philly at Utah game. We're both going to talk about it with the caveat that will Tyrese Maxey return? The Sixers are hopeful he will, in which case, you know, we've seen the total fluctuate from 238 to 235 and back based on, you know, the the the, the possibility that he returns. I'll just take the Jazz to score 122, though, because, I mean, even either way, like, I love this Jazz team at home after their their rough road trip to come back and just keep keep lighting it up like they have at home in January, seven games, 135 a game at 102 pace, uh, getting 30 free throw attempts, shooting 40% from deep. They're five and two to the over by, by 14 points a game at home. So like not even close. These, these teams are both top seven to the over in general. A lot of that is when Joel Embiid's in there, but honestly, when they have Maxi and not Embiid, we've talked about a lot more pace, uh, you know, 98 and a half pace versus 95 without Maxi, And they score 11 more points per game when they add Maxi. That's not to say with or without Embiid, just like whether Maxi's playing or not. Um, so I would look at the game total if if Tyrese is able to give it a go here. But either way, I mean, the Sixers defense, like clearly they're just going to let go of the rope. If they don't have Maxi. they have no chance. Uh, we've seen on this four-game road trip, they're giving up 123 and a half a game. They're giving up... 30 assists, 53 paint points, you know, the second most free throws, and struggling to even rebound the ball without Embiid. So, like, it, it's pretty simple to me. Like, Jazz are going to score a lot, and if the Sixers have their guy, they're going to come along for the ride. Otherwise, they're just going to get blown out. So, enter Josh's bet. Hundred percent. It's that 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 is my favorite bet from this game is the Jazz team total. That was um, something I would looked at initially. Saw that you liked it as well, and was like, well, I still think they're going to win. I think they're going to smack them. Um, it's only gone up a point, and I think people people I spoke to definitely are waiting for the Maxi news, and I'm not. <laughs> I don't really care if he plays or not for how the Jazz are going to play in this game because the Jazz at home are the 96 Chicago Bulls. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> they're I mean, not in the way they play because they're dropping like a buck 24 at home, and I don't know that the Bulls ever came close to that number, but um, they're also only giving up 113 at home. It's incredible as we continue to talk about their, their stark home road splits that will be there all season. I, I don't even know how they get this down, but they're playing at the same 101 pace, and this is just all about no Embiid, man. Uh, th this team has been a bit of a shell uh, of itself in terms of the 76ers. And they, they had some nice games in the middle of the season where they were like, ah, oh, Embiid's out with some rest. There's this weird feeling now that it's like, well, Embiid's out and he's actually hurt. And this is the, our season now, <laughs> uh, as opposed to like, oh, okay. Embiid's missing a, a Wednesday game on, you know, after three night games and four nights against the, the Grizzlies or whatever. Right. That, that wasn't whatever, but now it's a bit serious. And that, that seems to have impacted their play without him. Everything just is so different. Obviously they, they score 10 fewer points per game or 11 fewer. They're giving up uh, four more. They're getting six fewer rebounds. 
obviously the big one is they get to the free throw line. They go from the number one free throw shooting team to uh, all the way down to about four, five or six fewer free throws per game without the big man who obviously just gobbles up those free throw line, uh, free throw attempts and, and lives there. Uh, against the Jazz, like really what you got to do, <laughs> if you can, is stop their guards from attacking the rim. Um, and there's not really that much on the perimeter in the way of shooting. Jordan Clarkson hasn't been spotting up as much, um, trying to get the ball in his hands and go to the rim. Those are all things that are going to be available against Philly, whose paint defense just vanishes, basically, without Embiid in there. He and, and it really has never been present without him in the game. Even when he's off the floor, there's a complete difference between their ability to guard the rim uh, and not guard it. And that seems super obvious, but like to be clear, he was superhuman at the rim this year uh, so far with like a top five defensive field goal percentage, despite the fact that he's getting uh, the, the he's um, attempting to block the most shots at the rim. He's in the top three there as well because he's coming off of his guy when he has to. He's the only rim protection for this team. Now you've got uh, guys like Markinen and John Collins who have been playing small ball five and four, that's just going to keep working even better. Uh, I think it would have worked to run him off the floor, but you don't really need Walker Kessler to dominate in this game. And even when Walker Kessler has been in, he's been a bit more of a second unit guy. Obviously, you would have had him in there to guard Embiid. Um, but with this thing open, love the team total more than anything. And I, I you think even with Maxi in there, they're just going to fail to come along for the ride um, because guys like Kelly Oubre have been relying either on driving or getting the kick out in a spot up uh, attempt from Joel Embiid. That's the only way that Kelly Oubre has been scoring. Um, and Tobias Harris, yeah, he goes to the rim a bit more without Joel. But once again, you'd also like him playing off of jo all these guys, obviously. He's just so much better playing off of Joel than playing without him. So uh, B-Ball Paul is going to be in for a world of hurt today, I think. And, and the, yeah, the Jazz are going to have a, a good time down low. Yeah, I mean, whether you want to take an alternate spread or not, there's a lot of ways to, to bank on this being kind of a Jazz uh, a runaway win. And talk about it in player props. But yeah, I mean, a lot of that is like fading Sixer starters, maybe even fading Jazz starters and, and taking some of the, the, the ancillary guys uh, like Jordan Clarkson, who I'm looking at in, in the player props. Like when, when it gets to a blowout, when it rains, it pours, and Jordan Clarkson is just, just lighting up that arena. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking for that, uh, whether Maxi plays or not. Yep. And if, uh, if, if Maxi doesn't play, I also like the idea of, to your point, looking at maybe some um, Keontae George stuff. He gets minutes when it's a blowout, for sure. They want him in there. They just mm -hmm. obviously have uh, their starting guard rotation intact now with Con Sexton being so good and Jordan Clarkson also playing so many minutes. But uh, if you get some late, you know, Keontae George props won't come out until like at best an hour before tip. Um, but it is something to keep an eye on if Maxie's not in and the blowout possibilities are real. So let's jump right into your first NBA player prop for tonight. Yeah, not really a household name, but Aaron Neesmith. Uh, I'll take the 19.5 points rebounds for him after incredible performance against the Celtics. Halliburton's back, but still not playing his full minutes. And Neesmith has a huge spike in terms of his production when Halliburton's out. But the bigger deal, I think, is Bruce Brown is gone, and there's a void now at the small forward position. And, uh, I mean, you, he's just playing so well, you have to give him more minutes, Rick Carlisle. Like, I mean, his last five... I mean, he is playing 35 minutes a game, but it, with a 150 offensive rating, he's scoring 18 and a half, also getting eight and a half rebounds. So easily clearing this number. Um, you know, you go back to when he was playing with Halliburton and Bruce Brown was still on the team, still averaged uh, over tw about 21 points rebounds on a 90% usage rate. The usage is not that high, but he's just a very efficient player right now, shooting 41 and a half percent from three in this five game span or in 13 total without Bruce Brown on the season. He's a plus 42. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not that scared about the matchup with the Knicks. 
I know that they are extremely good at limiting pace, limiting every position, playing great defense. There's a possibility OG is still out, though. And I don't think that even if OG's in, like, Neesmith is their top priority in terms of deploying him. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're going to they're be worried about Siakam, etc. And, and Neesmith is just, you know, a, a very good glue guy at this point. Like, it's pretty simple to me. Like, just buy low while you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I, I He's actually probably going to be, in my estimation, be matched up with Josh Hart when he's on offense, especially. Um, not that Josh Hart's a bad defender, just that that's going to be the matchup. Uh, Aaron Neesmith, I believe, is in the top three or so, three-point percentage uh, for guys with the, the minimum required amount of shots. Dude is pulling and, and hitting for sure. He's been awesome on defense. The only uh, defense that they have at power forward, which still hasn't been very much, which is why I'm actually going to go ahead and just talk about Josh Hart power forward for the New York Knicks, whether you knew that or not. 6'4 power forward Josh Hart. Uh, I'm going to take the rebounds alone for him. I think the assists are okay, but Indy actually limits assists. They don't want you passing the ball around the perimeter. They actually are happy to <laughs> sort of let you olay to the basket if more than anything. I think the offensive rebounds will be there for Jay Hart uh, as well. The, the defensive rebounding has never been great for the uh, Pacers this entire season. So um, for him at this point, man, like this is getting kind of high. And uh, it's been actually been at about at eight and a half, honestly, for the past couple games without OG. OG coming back might scare you. Um, it definitely limits certain uh, aspects of this. I could see between OG and, and Hartenstein, it's like we're guarding Pascal and we're guarding Miles Turner between the two of them. And I could see Hartenstein guarding Turner, or excuse me, uh, Pascal, because that's where he plays is down low. And maybe you put OG on Miles Turner to bother him out by the perimeter. Either way, those two dudes are going to be busy with those guys, right? Um, so yeah, the, the rebounds might be there a bit more for the dude guarding Pascal, but also Aaron Neesmith is going to be playing in that smallish power forwardish position that he's been playing for this team. And that's who Josh Hart will be guarding. Yeah. So the thing that, that really makes me like the Hart thing and, and where he's playing on the floor is the rebound chances. Uh, they've been a bit higher with, with Hartenstein not in there and with uh, OG out as well. But even when OG, since OG has been there, Josh Hart is still uh, above him, like third on the team after Randall and Hartenstein and Randall's not playing in terms of rebound chances at 13 and a half per game. Uh, and over these last couple, that's only spiked a bit, right? It's not like it's jumped up entirely. It's only been about 14 and a half, 15 uh, and 16 in one of those games as well. But 14, 15, 16, not that much higher than the 13. So I don't think there's this like massive regression where uh, all of a sudden OG comes back and then Josh Hart's not their second best rebounder after Hart, uh, Hartenstein. He is They're going to continue to be that. Uh, the the only other thing I would add here is like the the center position is a it doesn't rebound for the, the uh, teams playing the Pacers. They give up the third fewest rebounds to centers because of the fact that Miles Turner is standing on the three point line. That's where they're standing, right? And so that's why they get pulled from the basket uh, and and don't get rebounds. Not because Miles Turner is an incredible boxer outer, but simply just because he's not down there and the guy's drawn away from the basket to guard him. So that all makes sense to me, and that's why power forwards still get so many rebounds against them. Uh, I believe it was sixth most that I wrote here uh, rebounds against this team on the season. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him as a result of that, uh, with, with what I predict to be an under and a bunch more missed shots than people might expect. Yeah. I mean, is there a guy who personifies Tibbs ball more, more than Josh Hart? Like, yeah, he is the ultimate, just like go out there, get it done, get, get do the dirty work, be the glue guy. Don't worry about scoring. Although he did get you 10 points when you had that, that whole PRA bet and got, that must've been the first triple double of his career two nights ago, yeah. right? The 10, 10, 10 game. Uh, love to see it, but yeah, I, I think double-digit rebounds is the thing you could really bank on with this dude, as long as Julius Randle's out. Because yeah, even if OG's in there, like he's slotting into power forward. Knicks need need bodies; they need boards uh, right now. 
Um, so the Jazz, we, we kind of are leaning towards a blowout for them at home here as they return home. And there's really no guy with bigger home road splits than, than Jordan Clarkson, who's just like a microwave, microwave guy. He comes off the bench if he starts hitting and the, the crowd gets behind him. It's an avalanche. And his last seven at home, 23 points, five and a half assists, incredible shooting splits. Uh, versus last six on this road trip, 16 and a half points under three assists. So to get him at 20 points and assists is good value at home against the Sixers defense that's struggling mightily, um, you know, in their last four on this road trip in particular, allowing 30 assists per game, 123 and a half points per game. Opponents are shooting over 53%, and they just obviously lost Embiid. They've missed him for most of those games. They're still missing De'Anthony Melton, who would be thrown at Clarkson a lot, along with Batum and Covington and some other guys and who knows what else. Like, this is a Sixers team that's just letting go of the rope. Yeah, Marcus Morris, for, for all that matters. Uh, they, they just let go of the rope when they don't have Embiid and, and definitely if they don't have Maxi, who's still 50-50, it seems like, to play. And then you see yeah. Clarkson's numbers. Like, I gave you his home numbers, and a lot of those are blowouts. And he just puts up these huge numbers in blowouts because he's part of the second unit. And if it gets out of hand, like, he's the guy who's putting the final nails in the coffin for the opposing team. Um, so... I, I mean, yeah, you've seen a triple-double against Dallas when they didn't have Luka. You got 36 against Detroit when they put up 154. Like, we could could, could see another great uh, performance where he clears this easily. But e- even if it's a close game, and I mean, he's still a big part of their, their plan. I mean, he's playing over 30 minutes per game at home in general. Uh, so I, I, I like this one a lot in terms of just pairing those stats together. Yeah, I'm with it. I'll never tell you not to take Jordan Clarkson, M-I-Z-Z-O-U there. Um, and, and all that adds up, especially the, the at-home stuff. So I'm, I'm with that. Uh, let me close it out here with one more over eight and a half rebound prop. And I'm getting good juice on both of these, by the way, because you still get John Collins plus 108 to get nine boards tonight to go over eight and a half in the aforementioned Jazz and uh, Philly game here. And this is a, a case of uh, things sort of, I, I, look, I, this prop might not just like, get to 10 and a half for the season, but I still think eight and a half is a good number for him uh, as he continues to like be the center on this team on the starting lineup. This, this small ball lineup, if you want to call it that with he and Markinen at the four and five has been the, the, uh, the dominating lineup for them basically for the last, uh, well, definitely for the last five games since he came back. And that's the biggest moment in time that things seem to have changed for him because he was out for a few weeks came back uh, about a couple weeks ago, had two games of a minutes restriction, didn't hit stuff. And then in the last five games, back up to the second leading uh, minutes getter on the team there up about 28. Nobody plays 30 except for Lowry Markinen on this team, um, but he still gets the 28 and they play so fast and so well at home um, that there's always a ton, a uh, ton more possessions for him when he's playing there. He's got 16 rebound chances since his return to the lineup. Uh, and, and that includes those two. Well, actually, that's, I'm sorry. That's just over the last five. Like I said, return to the lineup with full minutes. So with him as the, the center in the small ball lineup, the 16 rebound chances there, the, the thing that would worry you is like, okay, well, what happens after the start of the game? Does Walker Kessler come? No, like he and Walker Kessler's minutes are staggered. When, when John Collins is in there, he's playing center. Uh, it's pretty obvious at this point. He's only played one and a half minutes a game with Walker Kessler since he came back. 
He's only been in there with Olenek, even if you want to call him uh, another center on this team, which they don't have much of, but Olenek would be their other center at that point. Um, and he also is not uh, in there very much with John Collins. Simone Fontecchio doesn't really move off of that uh, three-point line. So you're not really worried about his big big self, uh, you know, getting too many boards or stealing too many of them either. I think both Markinen and Collins will continue to get, you know, close to, close to if not double-digit boards the way Collins has going uh, over in this number four out of the five games they played, including a massive blowout in there where he didn't get it uh, when they got absolutely smacked so uh, by the Pellies. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with, with Collins over eight and a half because I get the plus money more than anything. If this was crappy odds, I'd be like, that's ah, a tick high, but plus 108, I'll go ahead and take the chance on it. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers are struggling to rebound with that Embiid. I, I do like that aspect, but I, I think there's too much variance here in terms of not knowing if the Sixers are going to be competitive to take a starter uh, an over for starter on a volume stat like rebounds. Uh, personally, yeah. like I, I would maybe instead try to fade like Markinen's whole PRA and just be like, look, he's only getting twenty eight minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, or or you know, that's just the way I see this 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 shaking out. It depends if Maxi plays. Like, it could be a nice back and forth game. Um, but yeah, I don't know if the Sixers are big enough as well. Like with Tobias at the four without Embiid to necessitate Collins playing that much, but maybe that lends to him playing more small ball five, like you're saying. So, um, yeah. And less Walker Kessler. So I I don't know. You can see it either way. I know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I'm taking it for plus money as a result of, of the somewhat coin flip that we're talking about here. Um, but I think the, the other thing, the only other thing to add is if this becomes a blowout, there's probably going to be a lot of rebounds available in the first three quarters or so, in which case maybe Collins can at least get us a few of those before he takes off. But that is all the time we have for you in Play of Props today. Continue to follow along and subscribe to that page. We're coming back to you each and every weekday, including the best bets that we have up for you today. And until we see you next, happy betting. Step it up.